Welcome to the Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find help and hope for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well. Welcome back to the Starting Over Stronger podcast. Thank you again for joining me and today's guests who are CDFA Melissa Ellis and family law attorney Elizabeth Hill. And today what we are going to be coming here talking about is divorcing with respect. And to not give any of that away, I'm just going to skip over any explanation and let Melissa and Elizabeth explain exactly what that means. But let's start with some quick introductions. Uh, Melissa, you kind of inspired this conversation today. So I'll start with you if you'll tell us a little bit about you and what you do to help people divorce with respect. Thanks, Annie. So I'm Melissa Ellis. I own Sapphire Divorce Solutions. I'm a certified financial planner and a certified divorce financial analyst. And so what that really means as far as the CDFA title goes, is I help people that are going through a divorce. I can help couples. Uh, I am also a trained mediator, so we can work together. Or if you need an advocate in your corner, I can do that for you as well. Okay, thank you. And Elizabeth, talk to us a little bit about what you do to help people divorce with respect. So I um, am an attorney. I've been an attorney for 35 years in the family law area. I hate to say it's been that long because then you can do the math and figure out how old I am Um, because I didn't start practicing when I was 12. Um, So I don't do litigation anymore. I just do family law mediation and I also do collaborative divorce. Um, which is just a different way to divorce. We say it's a better way to divorce. And um, part of Divorce with Respect Week, which is um, March 8th through the 10th, is it's a national campaign about collaborative divorce and what that looks like and what that means. So, okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more. Um, let's just start with, you know, Melissa, you kind of suggested this topic. You guys um, obviously are involved as collaborative law professionals with the Divorce with Respect campaign, which, you know, obviously it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> you know, it means to divorce with respect. But what inspired you to focus on this topic? So... It is National Divorce with Respect Week in in March. So what that really means is you don't have to fight with each other. You can come to a peaceful alternative dispute resolution, which means just sitting around the table with your attorneys. You have a certified divorce financial analyst, and you also have a um a divorce coach leading that conversation. And it's really more of a conversation. It's not um, it's very calm. And that's the whole goal is to get, keep it calm and be respectful of one another. Because you can be kind and gracious. We want to preserve your family ties after the divorce. And that's really what our goal is. Um, and so Divorce with Respect Week is just highlighting uh, really the collaborative divorce process, which Elizabeth and I are both a part of the um, collaborative divorce professionals group here in Kansas City. And um we have quite a few members. What do we have about 25 members, Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. I think it is about 25 or 26 at this point. Yeah. And that so, includes attorneys as well as certified divorce financial analysts and also um certified divorce coaches. Okay. Very good. And Elizabeth, what does it mean to you to divorce with respect? 
Well, just to add to what Melissa said, she talked in, uh, about the clients, the couples learning how to be, uh, you know, respectful and work through their divorce. But there's also respect between the professionals. So in litigated cases, you know, it's not always respectful between the professionals um, it, because it's so adversarial and it's so much about advocacy, where in the collaborative divorce process, all of the professionals, so the two attorneys, the divorce coach and the financial neutral are all showing respect and thoughtfulness and kindness to one another either. And in that process, we are modeling what we would like to see um, the client's do as well. Yeah. So That's it's a just point. a very different, it's just a very different way of practicing for us professionals, um, as well as it's a different experience for couples. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And and I'm sure that it is probably hard for some people to imagine some might even scoff at a, li a little at the fact that, you know, we're talking about divorce and respect in the same sentence, because <laughs> that's <laughs> not been their experience, maybe, or, you know, you, we all hear the war stories of our friends or family members who've been through it. The, in a in a negative way, you know, the context being that, you know, divorce as usual is not a fun experience or it has to be adversarial. And so I think it, it's great that we're having this conversation. I want to just make sure that people really understand, you know, what it is we're talking about and how to actually make it work. Um, the legal ramifications, the financial ramifications, uh, you know, whatever. Um, you guys are both, you know, experts in law and in finance. So you can help us to kind of pick that apart, but really also look at it from the personal side of just, you know, how this is so much better for somebody's emotional well-being, their co-parenting, their family dynamics during and after the process. And so um, I think it's a great topic and I'm excited to be a part of it. So um, I'll just let you, whoever wants to start talk about um, what exactly is uh, divorce, divorcing with respect. What does it look like start to finish? So I, I can, I'll start, um, this is Elizabeth, because um, most of the time the couples come to an attorney um, exploring their options. And so our commitment in our group, so Collaborative Practice Kansas City is the collaborative group here in town. And our commitment is to share with anyone that contacts us your divorce options, all of them. We feel like um, ethically, it's our responsibility to describe do-it-yourself, mediation, collaborative divorce, and traditional or litigation. Mm -hmm. Out of that conversation, we're always hoping that they would choose collaborative because we all feel like, all the professionals feel like that is the most supportive process. Um, and if they do, if they choose that, they're interested in that, they share that with their spouse, if their spouse isn't on the call with them, the spouse would also pick a collaborative attorney so then each party has a collaborative trained attorney. And then the attorneys put the team together, which includes a divorce coach that has a mental health. Um, they're a psychologist. Um, so they have a lot of mental health training um, as the coach. And then we reach out and, and choose a financial neutral. And that, that's our core team. That's the team of professionals for the group, for the couple. And then from there, we have our initial meeting. It's called a pro bono six-way no cost. So all, all four professionals are on a call for about an hour with a couple explaining the process, what this is going to look like for them moving forward. 
the other two professionals introduce themselves to the couple and share what their roles and responsibilities are. So like Melissa and I work together. In fact, we're getting ready to start like four cases all at once. She's my financial neutral in these cases. So we'll be on a call probably next week. I think we have two calls next week with new couples. And so the other attorney and I will describe our role as lawyers. The coach will describe his or her role as the coach. And then Melissa, which she can describe what the financial neutral does. She'll describe her role as a financial neutral. And that's how we start. Okay. Very good. <clears throat> yeah. So as the financial neutral, yeah, you know, obviously I am neutral for both parties. I, I don't favor one over the other. We all work together. And so we try to make it a very transparent process. And that's, what's really different about this collaborative process is because everybody sees everything, you know, there's no hiding and going, okay, well, I wonder what the other side has. Let me go, let's kind of fish for information. The couple provides all their information to me. And I start with that and prepare some reports so we can just see really what the assets and liabilities are of the relationship. And then we we go from there. But that's really the initial process is collecting the data and one, you know, two people working together to give me the information. And it is that that's really the beginning of them collaborating with one another. So it's a very transparent process, like I said. And if there's something out there that somebody's not sharing, that usually comes to light. I'm pretty good at finding that. So mm -hmm. then we want to make sure that everything is out on the table. And that just makes it easy to have that conversation uh, going forward. Um, we are striving to get an equitable settlement, which Elizabeth can tell you that's not necessarily 50-50. Sometimes it's 49-51, whatever works. It just, everything is different in every case because there are no two cases that are exactly alike. I've never run across anything between two different cases that resembled each other. It's not like a cookie cutter. It's a very streamlined and um um, mostly when I say streamlined, it is because you're working with me initially to get that information together and we can speed the process up or we can go at the pace that the couple wants to go at. If they want to slow it down because they're trying to make some decisions about how to sell a house or whatever they might need to do, we can do that. We all just work together and to make sure that everyone is comfortable throughout that whole process. Very good. Something you said there was actually kind of in the back of my mind as a question as to who is a good fit for this process, because, you know, you might have somebody contact you or maybe somebody that's listening right now is thinking, does this work for me? And they know that some financial information is being hidden or they have a very strong gut feeling that something is being hidden, or maybe there's just a lot of really you know, toxic communication between the two, um, you know, and things like that. So are, when you encounter someone like that, what would you say to them about this process? Melissa? So I would say, well, number one, if they're, if they're toxic with one another, they can't have a conversation. <laughs> That's where our, um, our mental health professional comes in because they sit down and they can, uh, they work with them also with me first and then with them or maybe simultaneously. But in their process, they're looking at um, how to increase their communication skills if that's an issue. And our, um, our mental health professionals are very good at getting to that, um, that level of communication between the couples if they're having some issues. And that's 
that's what's beautiful about this process. We have a whole team because a lot of times people have just worked with an attorney and not, not that that's necessarily bad, but it's, I think it's better when you have a team because it's the financial side of it, the emotional side, the legal side, and the, the whole process that it's really more like a business transaction, right? It's getting the, the finances figured out. The parenting plan, that's what the mental health professional does. They help them come up with what works for them as a family on how to have, spend time with their children and what family functions might look like going forward. So um, I think it's it's a good process in that you know you have everyone there supporting you. And then Elizabeth, how would you say that you plan in advance for those type of scenarios? I, I think in previous conversations we've had about this, there was discussion of there being some type of a contract or an agreement that is signed in advance. Is there anything in that about how it will be handled if it is discovered that one of the parties has been withholding information? Is Does that break down the whole process or is there... Is there a way that you work through that that's laid out in advance in like a contract or something? So they do, the parties do sign a participation agreement um, and the attorneys do as well. So there's four people to that agreement. And in there, there is a section that talks about um, not selling assets, not encumbering assets, not just, you know, hiding assets, um, not canceling insurances. We're, we're trying to keep the status quo when the case starts. Um, I will say that um, people that choose collaborative typically are not hiding assets. They're, that's not the vibe of somebody that's coming to the collaborative process. They're coming because they do have a, a respect for one another. They're wanting to preserve that relationship and come out on the other end whole and with a, a different relationship moving forward, um, particularly those that have children to co-parent. If there's concern about that, like I, I have had a, a case or two where that was expressed as a concern, I don't think I know that much about, I think there might be another bank account, or I think there's this or that. That's coming from a place of curiosity, not, not so much, I think he's hiding it, or I think she's hiding it so much as we don't have complete transparency about our finances, which is not unusual mm -hmm. in many, many couples, especially if you're dual income. And it's the second marriage or a marriage later in life where you're already established, you have your bank accounts, you're doing your own thing. And so it's not that it's hiding so much as there's not complete transparency. And that goes back to what Melissa said, is we're very clear up front, that is part of this process, is full disclosure and transparency. And that's the expectation. And I don't know, Melissa, Melissa might be able to speak to that better than I am because she's kind of down in the trenches in the beginning with couples gathering all that information. But I, I cannot think of a case that I've had where that was really happening. It was more, I don't have all the information about X, Y, and Z. And then we often have what we call team meetings, team briefs, where the professionals are on a call. And that would be something we would talk about. And in that call, I would say to Melissa, hey, you know, my client mentioned she thinks there might be this, this other account or he might be on it with his mom and it might have inheritance. We're not sure. Can you ask about it? Melissa puts it on her checklist. She asks husband. Generally, husband would respond and go, yes, I do have that account and I will get those statements. That's kind of how it works. It, it's more like that in collaborative than um, kind of what you're talking about, which would definitely be more of a litigation type environment 
where there is hiding of assets potentially and stuff like that going on. Okay. Would you agree with that, Melissa? I mean, yeah, I just have that come up where there's hiding of assets and things like that. Okay. What I get more often is you have a couple and in their marriage, they all have jobs, right? One mm-hmm. of us makes bills, one of us might handle um, other parts of the finances. Somebody cuts the grass, someone cleans it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when you get forced, you know, you're like, okay, I've not been paying the bills. I don't know how much money we have. I just know that money's in the bank account and I spend it. And that can be husband or wife. It's just the person that is not what we call the CFO of the family, if you will. And sometimes they're surprised. They're like, oh, we make a whole lot of money. We spend a whole lot of money, but we don't have a whole lot of money. So that's where that fear comes in thinking, oh, well, the other party must be hiding something because we should have more. So I've run into that before and just really explored it and showed them, no, it's all here. This is how, this is lifestyle you've been living and this is what you have. Mm -hmm. And that's important for them to understand because then they can trust one another. They don't have to think that the other one's hiding. And that, that has happened probably more often than actually finding something that's been hidden. Um, and sometimes it's a misunderstanding too. They see an account number on something and they're like, we don't have that bank account. And maybe it was one that they had years ago and they just forgot about it, but it's showing up somewhere. And it's like, nope, it went from here to there. And if we can show the process or the path of, that the money has taken, then that resolves that mistrust and really builds more trust between the couple at that point. Okay. What other common challenges do couples face when they're trying to divorce in this manner with respect? Probably the family relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's something where you want to make sure that, you know, they're talking with one another. They're not using their children as messengers, whether they're children, you know, minor children, or if they're adult children. And it's for them to understand that you can still be a family. You don't have to be married. You don't have to be in love with each other anymore, but you're still a family. Once you've been married, you are tied to that person emotionally the rest of your life in one way or another. And that's where um, our uh, mental health professionals help a lot. You know, that divorce coach is so important in this process so that everyone sees what their life is going to be like, not like what it was, but what will it be? And we try to help give them that path. I would add to that too, Annie, that, you know, sometimes people come into this process in different places. One spouse has been thinking about the divorce for quite some time and, and has made that decision and the the other spouse, it's new information to them. And so you're trying to balance where the couple is in the process. And, um, and we work real hard on that because the parent or the spouse wanting the divorce, that's maybe thinking about it for a year and announces they want a divorce well, they want it right now. They want to get it going. They want to get meetings set quickly. The spouse, it's like, what are you talking about? They're just trying to understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so back to the coach, the coaches are invaluable in working with both couples or the couple both together and individually to see the perspective of the other and then creating a, a way in which we can move forward that's respectful of where each party is mm-hmm. and, and the process of unwinding their divorce. 
Yeah. And as a coach myself, I will say I definitely have that conversation quite often with people because I'm usually talking with the person who's ahead in the processing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remind them that although, you know, there might be a lot of animosity toward their spouse right now to try to think back, you know, how long have you been thinking about this? And they'll tell me, Mm -hmm. you know, six months or a year or two years. Okay. Now that's where he's at or she's at right mm-hmm. now is that point six months or a year or two years ago you you you're going to find a lot more resistance if you try to f- get them to be where you are right now versus allowing and I'm not saying you have to allow them six months or two years to get there but just try to understand you know where they're coming from in that so that's that's definitely a very common challenge on the flip side what uh, Elizabeth would you say are some of the benefits of approaching divorce in this manner uh, both for you know the individuals involved as well as obviously for their children well, it's it's financially and emotionally better. I mean, in both aspects. Um, financially, it's it's a more efficient process because there's not the duplication of work that you will see when each party has their own attorney in a traditional divorce. Kind of back to what Melissa said. In, in collaborative, there's one point person to gather all the financial information. In, in a traditional divorce, each attorney is individually gra- gathering information. And then at some point, there's some sort of a reconciliation between statements and balances and values. And that's a lot of duplication of work between two attorneys. And so by having the financial neutral and the collaborative process do that work for both parties, it's, it's very cost effective. Same for the parenting plan. Um, the parenting plan is done with a divorce coach versus two lawyers, one of them drafting, the other editing, all this back and forth and language and how it's going to read. The divorce coach sits down with a cu- couple over a series of a couple, two or three meetings, and they create the parenting plan. The couple creates the parenting plan and what provisions are important to them and how they want them to be worded. And then that's shared with us. And then when we have our settlement meetings, all of us are together. We're, as Melissa said earlier, it's a conversation. We're sitting around the table, sharing ideas, options, developing different courses of action that they could take in a conversation. So again, not all this back and forth between emails and phone calls between lawyers trying to paraphrase and share what their client wants to the other attorney who shares it with their client and comes back to the, it's just like the telephone game is traditional divorce. That's how I describe it. It's a telephone game. By the time you get to the end of the, of the row, what was said at the, by the first person is not even the same as what was conveyed to the last person. And that's how traditional divorce can be. And so in collaborative, we are all hearing what everyone's saying. We're all hearing the goals and interests of both parties. And we're collectively trying to create options for them and they're creating options to come up with the best outcome we can for them together as a family. It's not about a win-lose, who's coming out better than the other. It's we want to have you both come out in the best space possible. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree. Communication is key. And it's so funny that you use the telephone game analogy because I do too. (laughs) Do you really? And we have never talked about that. Yeah, it's just I a always great because people can just see it, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking I remember playing that as a kid. Yeah. As a kid, you thought it was funny because you go, well, this is what you're, you're the last one. You say what you heard. And then the one at the at the beginning would say what 
what he or she said, and everybody would laugh because it would be so far off. Yeah. But in family law, when you're going through a divorce and your family is in crisis, that is not funny. Right. The miscommunication between all the parties from one point to the other yeah. and the and the impact that had, it's not funny. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it can be very harmful and damaging. Yeah. Um, and it know. is that communication breakdown, you know, and I, that's the mm-hmm. analogy I use because yeah, the people can totally understand it, but, but they, a lot of times, you know, people don't know. I mean, when you, if you ask the average person on the street, what's the first step of divorce, they'll tell you to hire an attorney and file. Right. Right. Because exactly. that's what everybody you're, thinks. Annie, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's like, go get an attorney and be the first to the courthouse to file, you know? And so that's what, I'm glad you mentioned that because in collaborative, we don't file anything. Mm-hmm. We file nothing with the court until the whole case is finished. And then we file. And that's because we don't want that adversarial vibe in the background mm-hmm. about you could potentially be in court. Um, collaborative attorneys, the participation agreement we talked about, mm-hmm. we say in that agreement, this is limited scope representation. We are representing you as a collaborative attorney. If the process breaks down, we are not staying in this case. You, you will then have to go hire a litigation attorney. Mm-hmm. And so the whole racing to the courthouse to file, that's what our participation agreement is about. We're going to keep the status quo until we get this figured out. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah. you're right. That's everybody's first go-to. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to get something on file. And I'm yeah. like, no, no, yeah. you don't No. And on top of that, you know, the, the whole, the whole vibe of, of divorce is, is a terrible experience often centers mm-hmm. around the fact that people don't trust attorneys. They villainize the attorneys when, you know, what I tell people all the time is it's not the attorneys. And, and I'm not saying there aren't bad attorneys because there's good and bad in every industry. But, but the fact is that when you start from that adversarial place, um, you know, it just puts everybody in their corners. You know, you imagine that mm-hmm. boxing ring where if if you if you lawyer up and file, and especially if you serve someone and in, in, in oh, a, I know in a thoughtless way, in an embarrassing way, um, you know that they they are going to feel as if they have no other option but to hire a different attorney, and maybe they're going to mm-hmm. go for this really aggressive attorney because they feel like that's going to be the best protection for them. Now you're in your separate corners. Communication has already broken down, and it's it could drag on for years. And so communication again it is really what this is all about. And when you start with mediation or you start with the collaborative process, really what you're doing is saying we can figure this out we yes we will probably need Mm -hmm. legal assistance at some point but before that we can sit down and figure everything out so how would you guys either of you say um effective communication you know looks or how does that play the primary role in divorcing with respect well pardon me as a financial neutral Whenever I email the couple, I email both of them. If one of them has a question, I put the other one onto the response if they didn't already copy them on so that they know this is a question. Let's just put it out here and we get the answer. And that's a lot better than them going, well, I didn't know you talked about that. So Mm -hmm. we're very transparent in our communication with the couple. It helps them to be transparent as well. And um, to touch on a moment earlier, Elizabeth said about being more efficient, it, the whole process is much more efficient, which also is more financially efficient. You can spend, um, I I had somebody the other day tell me that she's gone the traditional route and she has gone through her $5,000 retainer and they haven't even produced documents for discovery yet. 
And that was just phone calls and emails back and forth. And I can tell you what she spent so far is probably, you know, half or a third of what the total cost for collaborative process is. So um, we're financially efficient, we're time efficient, and then also we're communication efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I agree. And and it's it's partly the couples, I think, but you know, you hit on an earlier, Elizabeth, that even if they're struggling with communication, your professionals, your team is modeling to them that, you know, even though this is hard, we can have these conversations. We can figure this out. We don't have to make it more difficult than it already is. Divorce is never easy, but it doesn't have to be adversarial. Right, right. And I think sometimes too, you know, people come across as angry and, um, you know, frustrated and impatient and, and couples do when they're trying to navigate through a divorce, but that's really coming from a place of fear. Mm -hmm. And Annie, you know that because you're a coach, it's coming from a place of fear. And, and so to understand that and to redirect that and reframe that so that everyone can see that that's the space they're in and, and how can we support a different space for them where they can make good decisions? Mm -hmm. You know, they can hear each other. They can hear what each party is saying, can hear what the other one's saying. They can, they can respond to that in, in a safe space. We call our collaborative process a safe container. We refer to it as that a lot. We want to create a safe container mm -hmm. where everyone can openly share their ideas and thoughts, their concerns, and, and they can be addressed. Um, and, and it's interesting because sometimes once one party starts talking and they're pretty um, transparent and even vulnerable sometimes in sharing what their concern is or what their goal is or what their interest is. You can see a softening. Mm -hmm. You can see a softening of everyone in the room, particularly the couple that I think I can breathe now. I, I think I'm going to be able to get through this, you know, mm -hmm. where they start out so ramped up with anxiety because they've talked to family, they've talked to friends, they know people that have gone through the, the court system. And so there's already this elevated um, fear and anxiety before they even start. Yeah. I'm glad you brought we, up fear. That's yeah. a really oh, good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's and feeling afraid and that, they show it differently. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And they're afraid for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Even the fear that they have are different because of their needs and what, you know, what they're concerned about coming out of the divorce. And then what's beautiful about the collaborative process is over time, we see the couple evolve into a really good space by the time we've concluded the divorce and, and more times than not, they thank all of us for, for supporting them through the process. And, and they've said how grateful they were that they chose this process because mm -hmm. they didn't know either when they started what it was going to be, you know, but then over several months of working together at the end, they always, most of the time have the kindest things to say to all of us about thank you and you know, we feel like we're in a really good space now to move forward as co-parents or to still be friends, you know, through the years, because we have this relationship that we already, we have, that's not going away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just is, is beautiful because I think that goes back to, you know, everybody entering into divorce or certainly the vast majority of them don't know that it can end that way. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. so refreshing for them to realize that, although obviously divorce is always 
emotionally taxing, you know, we can prioritize respect and in doing so we can kind of contribute to everybody's well-being in the end. So what strategies mm -hmm. or techniques can people employ, um, maybe even if they're not, you know, going through the collaborative process, maybe they're already in a litigated process. What, what would you say, Elizabeth, um, as a strategy or a technique that someone could employ that would help them to manage their emotions for one, um, but also yeah. just to navigate with more, more grace and dignity. Well, I think everyone can benefit from a coach, even if, if each party or one party just privately contracts and retains a coach to coach them through the process. Um, because if you show up differently your spouse has the opportunity to show up differently too. Mm -hmm. And, and the coach, you can really uh, be invaluable in supporting <laughs> someone through the process for sure. Or your therapist, you know, if you're in therapy, stay in therapy. If you're not in, get in therapy. Mm -hmm. um, because I would say as an attorney, even yeah. though I've been doing this work for 35 years, I'm not trained in mental health. Mm -hmm. I know a lot about mental health and I've learned a lot particularly as a collaborative attorney working with coaches all the time, but that is not my training. And, and, and I should not be the one trying to navigate through that with a client from the mental health perspective. That should be done with a therapist or a certified coach like you are, Annie, that's doing that piece of it. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's more, everyone that can come in the mix can add value, even if it's a litigated case. Yeah, you can bring in additional support or, you know, we've had I've had um, cases where um, I've had the, the, a client talk to Melissa. She's not the financial neutral, but she's also but she is a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And for that person that doesn't quite understand everything that's going on with their finances and needs more support, you could always bring in somebody else. And I've done that and said, Go, I want Melissa, I'm sending this person to you for added support. Mm -hmm. So she can sit down and spend more time with that person explaining their financial situation and doing it in a very direct way, right? Because yeah. sometimes right. people don't want to yeah. hear where they're at. Has a really good way of doing that. <laughs> well, and everyone comes into this thinking, okay, well, this is what I they see on paper what they have, but they don't know how that translates. Are they going to be able to retire when they want to? Are they going to be, be able to buy the gifts for their family, go on vacations, do all that? So that's what I try to do is give them that perspective of this is, if this is the settlement that you're agreeing to right now, this is what each of your lives look like going forward, financially speaking. And then they can, you know, get that perspective because when you have, you know, the whole ball of wax and then you cut it in half, you your life will probably change a little bit, but it doesn't have to change completely. You can still go on vacation. You can still do um, you know, things for your family, but you just need to keep it in perspective as to what that truly looks like. And that's what I try to do is just help them see what their future path is, not just this is the end of the road and mm -hmm. here's this, here's what you have. They yeah. And that fear of the unknown that everybody's dealing with, you're, you're taking away that unknown by just having those conversations. Exactly. And Elizabeth and I had, had a case where um, the two just couldn't agree on the final settlement. And we're looking, we know it's a good settlement for both of them. It was really a win-win situation, but they needed to understand what that truly meant going forward and that they were okay because that that fear was i mean mm -hmm. fear is probably the biggest emotion and hurt 
And mm-hmm. it's just knowing that, okay, I'm going to be okay. That's all they need to know is that no matter what, they're going to mm-hmm. be okay. Everyone yeah. thinks they're going to be living in a cardboard box under a bridge. I don't right. care if you have $100,000 or $100 million. Everyone thinks that. They just think, oh, my whole world's upended. That's not the way it is. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Well, and Melissa, the other piece that you do that we haven't really talked about is cash flow. And that's where a lot of the fear comes from, too. You know, you do the whole cash flow. You should talk about that, too, because to me, that's equally as important when folks are trying to understand what is this going to look. It's not just the assets. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's you have the assets, but here is the money that will be coming in, whether that's Mm -hmm. job or through um, spousal maintenance, child support. And then what does that look like? So you have so much money coming in. Here's what you'd like to do in in life. And do do you have enough money to do the things you want to do when you want to do them? And that's the whole goal of cash flow, right? Managing it. Cash flow in might be even, but the money going out is never even. Because you have (laughs) things like, yeah, things happen. You know, you have a a month where a lot of family members have uh, birthdays and you want to be able to celebrate with them. Or a month where your insurance is due and you're like, oh, I forgot that bill's going to come up this quarter. So managing that and knowing ahead of time what the bills are and knowing that the money is there, whether you need to hold some money into a bank account for that bill that's coming later or um, or finding a way to create more cash flow. Sometimes there's, there's just not enough. You have maybe a stay-at-home mom and she's going to have to go back to work. That support's going mm-hmm. to end at some point. And whatever it is that that they're receiving, either side, I've had it the other way where women are paying support to men. Mm -hmm. Um, So whichever party is receiving that support, we have to have a plan for how are they going to replace what they're receiving from their ex-spouse at that point in time. And if it's three years down the road, 10 years, whatever it is, it's not going to be more than 10 years, just by the way, but still it (laughs) ends at some point. And you just can't think it's going to last forever. So we yeah. come up with a plan to replace that. And also looking at the tax burden too. You know, do you have a bigger mm-hmm. burden now that you're single? And for a lot of people, they do. So managing that, that's another important piece of, of what I do. And then I know, Melissa, when we've had some cases together, what's come out of the cash flow analysis is some of the decisions they were making about assets. It's not going to, it's not the best decision. House is a big one. Annie, you probably know that too. Somebody wants to keep their house and they're, they're very focused on, I want to keep the house. But then when you start looking at the cash flow, Melissa, that Melissa does, you don't have to tell them it's not going to work. They are going to see all of a sudden they're like, maybe I shouldn't keep the house. And so it all kind of blends together between the asset analysis and the cash flow. And then in the, in the meetings, when we're all together, we're throwing out all these different options. What if you did this? What if you guys did this? What if you kept the house for a year and then you sold it? And, you know, or just we throw out all kinds of options. Yeah. And options are, is exactly what, what we do is no one is saying, this is what you should do. It's like, these are the things you could do and what Mm -hmm. looks best for the two of you to figure out. And if they, sometimes there are options that people haven't even thought of and it just comes about. And a lot of times because we're in that collaborative process, we're all in a room together and one of us comes up with an idea. Well, what if we did it this way? And somebody goes, Oh, I never even thought of that, but that Mm -hmm. would work. And how to, you know, and everyone's like, oh, that sounds good. Let's try that. And, you know, 
you can be as creative as you like in this process, as long as, you know, the attorneys are there to tell us if it's legal and we can do that. <laughs> pretty much if you can think of, they find a way to write it into the documents and it can mm-hmm. happen. So um, I've seen all kinds of things, you know, especially with houses where it doesn't have to be yeah. sold today and you got to move tomorrow. It's like, no, let's come up with a time frame for transitioning to a new home and talking about what does that look like? Do you want to rent? If you rent, is it a house or an apartment? Do you want to buy another house? And everyone is different. And let's come, let's come up with the solution that works so that they're comfortable and they can see their future rather than just going, I don't know what's going to happen. My divorce is final. What's next? They're going to know before we get to the end of this process, what is next for them? Yeah, this sounds like a very supported process. Um, you know, the mediation and the collaboration both um, just really help people to be able to envision um, how divorce with respect can actually happen and what that does for the future. Um, What other ways uh, would you say that people could get support outside of those, those meetings or, you know, with a mediator or a collaborative team, how can friends and family members or maybe even community resources, support groups or organizations uh, assist people in divorcing with respect? Are you either one familiar with anything like that? I I think one thing that, you know, if friends and family are listening to this podcast and they have a loved one that's going through a divorce process, for them just to be there and to listen and not tell them, you know, this is what you should do or this is what I did. It's like, okay, just be supportive of what their journey is because it is not the journey that you had maybe. So I think just listening and supporting them and saying, I think that's good or noticing if they are distressed, you know, suggesting that they talk with a divorce coach at that point in time, just because um, it is a very tumultuous process for some people. And sometimes people internalize that and they don't want to let it out. Um, But whatever it is that they need to talk about, just listen to them and support them. Any thoughts on that, Elizabeth? Um, I, I, I echo what Melissa said. I always caution people from talking to family and friends about the specifics of their divorce because a lot of times they get incorrect information, particularly in Kansas City, because we're in Kansas and Missouri and the mm-hmm. laws are different. And so you could be talking to your cousin that got divorced in Missouri and has nothing to do with Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that self-care is very important when you're going through a divorce. So, you know, eating healthy, getting sleep, exercising. If you're not start, even if it's just walking for 30 minutes every day, just things like that, that can relieve some of the stress and anxiety, I think are very, very important through the divorce process. Um, support groups can be good, but again, you have to be careful about those because many times, and I just heard this the other day, actually two of my clients are in the same support group, which is kind of interesting. They don't know. They didn't know that I'm representing them both. And there were some things that were said in the in the support groups about people sharing their experiences that created some anxiety because the information really wasn't accurate, but it was their perspective and perception based on their experience. Yeah. I would so, have to imagine support groups could be a lot of people just wanting to vent and commiserate. Yes. And that could be Yeah, very and I'm not bashing support groups. Yeah, yeah, I'm not bashing support groups because there is value to those, especially when people are reeling in the beginning mm-hmm. about their divorce and what they're doing. And and I think to the extent that the support groups provide outside resources and places, you know, to get more guidance and information, but really 
you know, doing more professional work, like with a therapist or a trained divorce coach is more supportive. Or be in a support group that's led by a professional like that, because they're going to make sure that it's not just Mm -hmm. event session for people that's Mm -hmm. going to harm others. So if you need to vent, that is a safe space to do it because you don't want to damage relationships with your friends and family. Well, that's true. Yeah. If you need events, then that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think churches at your church, if you're affiliated with a church, you know, talking to your pastor or talking to your priest or um, some other support person within the church, because a lot of the churches do have um, uh, like a divorce care, care group, divorce care group. They also have um, community pastors that um, are affiliated with, with the churches that can sit, you know, can pray with you or mm-hmm. just, you know, talk with you and support you there. I think that's always a great resource for people too. Um, yeah. yeah. And I so. think, you know, what we've kind of hit on here as we, as we come toward a close for today is really that when you, when you approach divorce with respect, um, you have the opportunity not only to, to end a relationship that is no longer flourishing, but also to preserve the good that came from that, the family, mm-hmm. and also even to prompt maybe some personal growth and self-reflection. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure that you guys have seen people, I certainly have uh, through my work, uh, who have used this experience as a launch pad for becoming someone they maybe always wanted to be and never thought they could because mm-hmm. the relationship oh. they were in was was holding them back. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth, share any personal anecdotes or stories, obviously without names, <laughs> of individuals <laughs> who have successfully divorced in this way and, and the positive outcome they they received. Well, I'm glad you said that, Annie, because I have through the years, you know, someone that maybe started school and then stopped because they started having children and going back and finishing up a degree and then getting back in the workforce. I've seen that many times, which I think is is super cool or had some idea about a business that they wanted to start it. And that's something they were going to do as part of divorcing, recreate, almost kind of recreating themselves, right. Mm -hmm. For, for doing, for doing something different. Um, And I've also, and I just, you know, I've seen so many couples that some, some relationships aren't meant to be, they just aren't meant to be They're 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 like oil and water. And you get so caught up in that, that you, you lose sight of how unhealthy your relationship is. And then when you do start separating and you do start divorcing to your point, Annie, it is a time to go, what am I doing here? This is an opportunity for, to do something different, create something different for myself. And I'm, I'm going to take the time and space to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's my actual oh. personal story. I got divorced. I wasn't in this industry and I decided to just reinvent my whole life. And I moved from Missouri to Kansas. I went back to school, got a master's in personal financial planning, started, was a career changer in my forties and just decided, and, and I'm not that much older now, of course, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean last year, right? <laughs> you just like, <laughs> But, um, yeah, you, you can probably Google and figure out how old I am, but, <laughs> but actually, you know, I, I decided what is my future going to be like? Because now I got to make those decisions by myself. It was really exciting for me at that point. I mean, I was yeah. really about my divorce. It was rough and was hard. It was not an easy process, whether you want a divorce or not, it's not easy for anybody. But when I realized I'm like, I can do whatever I want now. It was very liberating. And so that's what I did. And that's, that's kind of the beginning of how I got to here. So, um, 
And it's, it's kind of fun to look, look back at that journey and what my personal growth has been. So I really do understand what people are going through. I've gone mm-hmm. through, unfortunately, two divorces. I never thought I'd be divorced once in my life, much less twice. And so, but I've been on both sides. One that I knew that was the right thing to do. And the other one, I was just blindsided. I'm like, oh, what happened? Mm-hmm. And so I can sympathize and empathize with both parties because I know where they, they are. I was, I've been there. So yeah. I think yeah. that's really important that everyone can see that they can create their own path forward. And that goes really for any difficult season of change. You can you can go through it or you can grow through it. And really, it's a mindset thing. You Only you can decide which it's going to be, you know. And so I think it's great to, to share those anecdotes and stories from people that have found a better way to, to go through this particular transition and have, you know, grown and maybe entirely change their life as a result of that. So as we wrap up, what final words of advice or encouragement do you have, Melissa, for our listeners who are considering going through a divorce? There is help out here. There are here people here to support you, professionals that will help you through this process. If you don't know where to begin, you can, you know, call, um, contact the Collaborative Group of Kansas City to see what the first step is. Um, but I think taking that step forward is really the the hardest and probably the best choice if this is where you are. And where can listeners, Elizabeth, find more resources or support for divorcing with respect? So the national campaign is March 4th through the 8th and the commitment and it's nationwide. So there's going to be a lot of things coming through on Facebook and social media and LinkedIn about that, that week. Um, and then all of us in collaborative practice, Kansas city, that is our group. We are all committed that we will do 30 minute, no cost consults during divorce with respect week. Um, and to be clear, the consult is not a substantive consult. It's about the process. What does collaborative practice look like? How does it work? And then also talking about traditional divorce and mediation. So they have a a view of the choices. It's not a, I'm going to run child support worksheets for you and we're going to do a quick analysis of your finances. That's not what that is. It's just a 30 minute, no cost um, call. And that's really just to get the word out to people about what collaborative is. Cause there's always people thinking about divorce and it's an easy way to get information um, without having to spend any money to get it. So yeah, very good. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. that. And and thank you both for being here and sharing your insights on this important topic. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and listeners. Thank you for tuning in to learn more about how your divorce does not have to be miserable. And so if you would like to reach out to either of my guests today, uh, certainly do that. You can also uh, visit the Starting Over Stronger website for more information about coaching and mediation through myself. And just look for those resources. They certainly are out there for going through the process of divorce in maybe a different way than you've ever known existed. So thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out. And join us again next week for more tips, tricks, and mindset shifts as you are starting over stronger.